I'm Len Wolf, and welcome to this edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series. We're talking with Alex Chosovsky, a senior consulting advisor with ITR Economics, who is breaking down a complicated topic, the U.S. economy. We've been in an upward trend for more than 24 months, but changes are coming, he says. We do expect that the, this uh, boost in economic activity, this rising trend, will come to an end imminently. In fact, we expect that to happen now in early 2019, and the transition to the backside of the cycle will take place over the course of next year, yielding some pockets of actual negativity by the time we get into the very late 2019, especially the early 2020 timeframe. Let's join the discussion as Alex explains what has contributed to the long upward trend and the X factor that will influence the downward trend later in 2019. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to give you an updated view of ITR's outlook for the overall economy. The last time you saw one of our presenters speak, it was Alan Bolio, the president of the firm, talking to you in late 2017, so it's been a while. I, I, we have had some interesting changes uh, develop, uh, primarily in the form of tax reform. So in late 2017, after you saw Alan's presentation, President Trump announced that um, the, his administration was going to be pursuing and enacting a, a package of tax reforms that was meant to stimulate the U.S. economy. Uh, prior to the announcement of the tax reform package and, and shortly thereafter, we had been expecting that the U.S. economy would transition through a cyclical peak and, tra- and, and transfer to a period of slowing growth in the second half of 2018. But when we kind of got wind of the tax reform package and the, the uh, boost in investment that that was expected to generate, boost in spending by individuals, we certainly thought to ourselves, well, we need to have some tangible evidence. We need to have some sort of data that will come out that will support that this tax reform package is actually working as intended. Uh, and so we did not adjust our forecast at that time. But as the year went on, and especially during the the summer and the fall months of of 2018, we saw some really uh, strong evidence come out in the form of U.S. industrial production series data, as well as business-to-business activity data that indicated that, in fact, businesses were able to continue to prosper into the second half of this year, and, uh, and really that the tax reform package was, was having a positive impact overall. I, I think that it's important to note that it's not necessarily due to the changes in corporate or individual tax law that it was helping, but rather things like the accelerated depreciation provision, which of course allows businesses to um, write off 100% of any new or used asset purchase over the course of the year that it's purchased in. So I think that that really stimulated some additional capex, and we've seen an extension in the U.S. economic rising streak that is beyond what is typical. So we we are now in an accelerating growth trend uh, that started uh, back in uh, the mid-2016 timeframe when the last cyclical low was achieved, we transitioned into positive territory on a rate of change basis during 2017, and we are now uh, north of two years. It has been longer than two years of of positive momentum from a business cycle perspective in the U.S. economy. 
you have to understand this is very atypical. Typically, if you have a look at the, the, the duration of a rising trend in the U.S. economy, it's somewhere between 12 to 18 months. So the fact that we are now uh, you know, above 24 months and continuing to rise is really, uh, in my opinion, reflective of the fact that we are in this kind of artificially extended rising streak. The, the normal cycle of the U.S. economy and most of our leading indicators suggest that the, the economy should have peaked already by mid-2018 and should have transitioned to that period of slowing growth. We have now essentially added about six months of rise to the economic cycle. So we still remain consistent in our profile of what we expect for the U.S. economy. We do expect that the, this uh, boost in economic activity, this rising trend, will come to an end imminently. In fact, we expect that to happen now in early 2019. And the transition to the backside of the cycle will take place over the course of next year, yielding some pockets of actual negativity by the time we get into the very late 2019, especially the early 2020 timeframe. So if you look at things like our forecast for industrial production, our forecast for uh, a series called farm machinery and equipment production, those are expected to uh, go into negative territory by late 2019, early 2020, especially the first six, six months of 2020. So it, it, to put it very simply, we have essentially pushed out the peak in the U.S. economy by about six months, which also pushed out the next low in the economy by about six months, but otherwise leaving the profile and the timing of the, of the, of the business cycle forecast uh, relatively unchanged. Yeah, that's that's very interesting in terms of that um, that extension of that of that, those good times. And so, can you tell us a little bit more just about those factors that that you um, look at in in making your forecasts? And you know, what do you see as as most significant over this next six to twelve months? Absolutely. So the the, the main tool that we used in forecasting the economy uh, is called leading economic indicators. These are uh, basically data series that are uh, consistently and accurately predictive to what the U.S. economy is going to be uh, going through over the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months, sometimes as far as 36 months out into the future. So there are a couple of examples that I can reference here uh, for for. for a U.S.-specific leading indicator, uh, we typically leverage the Purchasing Managers Index on a 112 basis, which means a month over the same month last year growth rate comparison. And that typically has about a 9 to 12 month lead time to what the U.S. Industrial Production Index, our benchmark for the U.S. economy, is going to do. And that has uh, been showing us for nearly a year now that we, are, we should have transitioned to this slowing period of growth. Uh, of course, the artificial stimulation that we injected into the live stream of the U.S. economy with the tax reform package caused that to, uh, to, to extend beyond what would be normal, as I mentioned earlier. There are other leading indicators. For example, we use something called the G7 indicator. This is uh, essentially the macroeconomic representation of the performance of the world's largest economy. So the U.S. is part of it, but as are major European countries, as well as China and Japan. Uh, and, and this has also shown that the rest of the world is already in that transition. So uh, Europe and Asia, certainly our neighbors to the north, Canada, they've all already started the 
this process of slowing economic growth, but because of tax reform and because of other stimulative efforts by the government, such as you know, increased government spending on defense and other areas where, where the government controls the budget, that has extended our own rising streak uh, beyond what is typical. So uh, you know, it, the manufacturing sector is already starting to feel the slowdown. Uh, we're expecting this um, you know, body of evidence in the form of leading indicators is telling us to expect the slowdown to uh, extend all the way through 2019 and again to culminate in kind of that low point in the first half of 2020 when you look at the industrial side of the U.S. economy, which is, I think, a better benchmark for farm equipment production companies to leverage rather than something like GDP, because obviously GDP is driven primarily by consumer spending behavior, which doesn't drive farm equipment purchases necessarily. So that's, that's, those are the things that we look at. Uh, we, we leverage dozens and dozens of different leading economic indicators. And at this point in time, the vast majority of them are pointing to the fact that we will have uh, this transition in the cycle and we will be slowing over the course of 2019 and potentially seeing some negativity in that first half of 2020 timeframe. I think the biggest kind of X factor in all of this certainly can be related to some of our uh, trade uh, actions, uh, particularly the tariffs that we've put into place on our trading partners, the ongoing negotiations with the Eurozone countries as well as, uh, as, well as with Japan uh, and the UK. Um, I think that tariffs uh, earlier this year, in, in early 2018, when we first started to see the glimpses of this kind of protectionist trade policy emerging, uh, we certainly looked at it as a pretty significant downside risk. And I think that that's still the case, that if anything happens, it is going to likely be to the downside as a result of these tariffs. But there's also been some, some mixed signals coming from both the administration and from the economy recently, in the sense that uh, the administration... Of course, the, the President Trump had a successful meeting with President Xi of China, uh, after which they announced that they will not be intensifying the tariff to 25% on January 1st, 2019, which was the original plan of action. Uh, and of course, this applies to the $200 billion worth of Chinese goods that are uh, currently under tariff as of the late September timeframe. Uh, we already have another basket of about $50 billion worth of product coming to the U.S. from China that's been under a 25% tariff since the, the spring of 2018 timeframe. So if anything uh, is going to determine how significant or how acute the negativity is in that late 2019, early 2020 timeframe, it will be what do we do with the tariff environment over the course of, let's say, the first six to nine months of next year. Do we continue to intensify this trade war that we're engaged in, or do we actually pump the brakes a little bit and ease back and perhaps roll back some of those tariffs? I think that will make uh, a big difference in terms of how negative we get uh, towards that time frame, or if we're able to remain relatively flat to perhaps even slightly positive in some areas of the economy. In the first part of this podcast, Alex Chosovsky of ITR Economics explained the impact of the recent tax reforms, specifically the accelerated depreciation provision, which helped extend the upward trend. Looking forward, he says, the administration's trade actions will be a major influencer in whether the economy will remain flat or how significant the downward trend will be in the next year or so. In the next part of our conversation, Alex gives strategies related to small businesses 
including the reminder that you have to understand your profitability at all times. He also talks about ways to prepare for the upswing in the economy, which is expected in late 2020 and early 2021. So what should a company, a small business be doing, you know, taking into account some of those factors, some of some of those unknowns, but but seeing some of that, um, you know, that momentum kind of slowing or or declining, what should they be uh, doing to prepare their businesses in the first, you know, six months or so of 2019? So my advice would be twofold. The first thing that I think companies absolutely need to do as they head into 2019 is be much more aware of their own profitability metrics because we've got rising prices all around us. We have wage-driven inflation. We've got material price-driven inflation. Certainly, um, logistics are up significantly this year in terms of shipping product from one point to another. Um, we had an implementation of an electronic logging device rule for commercial trucks happen in April of this year, uh, after which the really the cost of shipping goods and services uh, went up by double-digit percentage points. So we've got all of these natural inflationary pressures before we even start to consider the impact of inflation on uh, uh, related to tariff activity. So certainly uh, the old adage of raising your prices once a year uh, is is out the window at this point. You've got to understand where you are from profitability perspective at all times. You know, a, a quick reminder, you're in business to make profits. It's not just about top line growth. You've got to make sure that you're keeping your, those margins healthy and you're going to have, you know, headwinds to, to that effect uh, as we transition into 2019. I still think a lot of the price uh, increases related to the tariff activity are still ahead of us. So that's the first piece of advice is know where you are with we, each one of your customers customers from a profitability perspective. And then if you're not where you want to be, then you've got to have those difficult conversations and you've got to find a way to raise your prices to maintain profitability. On the flip side of that, and this is kind of um, related to this transition that we're going through with some, some downside business cycle activity uh, in our future, you've got to think of ways to pivot your business. So look for customers and, and markets, uh, you know, whether it's at the product level, depending on what the, the, the farmers are growing, or at, 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 uh, at perhaps a regional level, look for opportunities that are going to be the low-hanging fruit, and then pivot your efforts from a sales perspective, from marketing perspective, uh, you know, all of your efforts in terms of uh, speaking to and cultivating relationships with those customers to the segments that are going to be yielding the best efforts. And, and, and when you do that, uh, leverage this insight that you're now getting that 2019 will be more negative than you had in 2017 and 2018, and perhaps look for some opportunities to lock in longer-term contracts with some of your customers to create some stability for yourself as the economy and as your markets transition to this period of uh, business cycle decline in late 2019 and early 2020. So essentially, leverage other people's current optimism to your advantage and lock in some of that business for the next two years to carry you through the, the downturn and then prepare yourself for the next upswing. I think that's a, just as important. We expect that the 
that the pullback in the economy that it will be essentially a lull in activity, not a severe recession. And so you've got to start thinking about kind of that second half of 2020 and early 2021 when the economy will be back on a, up on an upswing, and you've got to keep some dry powder ready for those low points in uh, late 2019, early 2020 when you can put some cash to work and then prepare yourself for that next rising trend that's going to emerge in the late 20, early 2021 timeframe. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point you made just in terms of looking for opportunities regardless of whether the economy is in, is in an upswing or a downswing. So just staying sharp and just finding whatever opportunities are there for you in the, in the short term. That's absolutely the case. I mean, I, I, you know, I am a, a huge believer that opportunity is constantly around us. In fact, even periods of recession represent times of opportunity if you know that they're coming and if you're positioned correctly to take advantage of them. So certainly don't lose track that even given all of this trade talk and all of the inflationary pressures and everything, you're operating in one of the most fertile markets in the entire world. I mean, when you think about some of the state economies, you look at California, for instance, if California was its own country, then it would be the sixth largest economy in the world. Texas would be number 10. New York State would be number 12. And Florida, I believe, is, would be number 15. So when you're selling into the U.S. marketplace, understand that there's always more opportunity to grow your share, to identify and target new customers, and to uh, outperform the market, regardless of what may be going on at the macroeconomic level. When we had talked also with um, Alan back in 2017, he had talked in terms of, of looking a longer term into uh, t- uh, 2030 and even talking about a Great Depression um, that we should be watching for. Are you still seeing that? Yeah, I, I, absolutely we are. In fact, the, the, the very same tax reform package that is helping us in the short term is going to end up hurting us in the long term because it's what it's going to do is it's going to add significantly to our already uh, significant national debt. Uh, over the course of the next five to seven years, it'll add at least $1.5 trillion to the national debt. And of course, part of our logic, the rhetoric that we are ba- basing this Great Depression call on has to do with two major factors. That's the continued uh, behavior of the United States of living beyond their means, meaning our federal government continues to spend more money that it brings in in tax collection and in other forms of revenue. And this transition of the baby boomer generation from, you know, working force to retirement and the combined efforts of of, of combined factors of both of those transitions happening at the same time, the growing national debt and a retiring baby boomer population will create great strain on the U.S. economy, not only in the form of entitlement programs, but also in the form of government spending uh, cutbacks and and the likely increase in taxes that will be happening kind of around that timeline to, to, to help the government fund, fund things like Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. So uh, if, if anything, uh, the tax reform package only exacerbated our call for the Great Depression, and we certainly still believe and are of the opinion that the 2030s will be an extremely difficult timeline in the U.S. economic uh, lifespan, uh, not just like 2008, 2009 was, but I'm talking about more like 1929, when we've got you know unemployment north of 10%, when we've got uh, significant declines in GDP happening. So it's going to be a very difficult time. But again, I, I, as, as I mentioned earlier, if you know that that's coming, 
and you take the appropriate steps right now to start preparing yourself and your business for the calamity that is uh, likely to occur, then you're going to be much better off uh, in, in terms of positioning to take advantage of the opportunities, the plentiful opportunities that will present themselves for you at that timeline if you are prepared to take advantage of them. Yeah, and we talk with our, our dealers um, and have experts regarding succession planning. And so all of these um, forecasts really need to be factored into their succession plans as well to keep their business I absolutely going. think so, yeah. I certainly think that costs will be rising in your day-to-day lives as we transition to 2019. Um, you know, that, that's, a lot of that is the inflationary pressures I talked about. Um, I think if you're talking about, uh, you know, leveraging uh, other people's money. Uh, The inflationary pressures that I mentioned earlier uh, mean that the Federal Reserve essentially has no better option, uh, no other alternative uh, but to continue raising rates. So borrowing money will be more expensive as you move into 2019. We are expecting a rate hike at the December meeting and possibly two to three more rate hikes at the, uh, two, over the 2019 timeframe. So uh, mortgages will get more expensive. Auto loan rates will get more expensive. Credit card rates will get more expensive. So certainly uh, be prepared for things around you to continue to increase in price. Um, and and that's, that's essentially uh, probably the biggest thing to look out for uh, in your personal finances. Um, in terms of the stock market, we're, it, it wouldn't be prudent for us to give you financial advice, but I will say that um, you know, certainly right now, uh, the volatility that exists in the market uh, that creates a lot of uncertainty. Businesses don't like uncertainty. We've seen a lot of evidence that uh, companies are issuing negative earnings guidance for 2019. Uh, that typically is related to less capex, less investment, and um, and also uh, creates some downside risk to the market. So uh, I, I would I would be cautious in approaching investments at this uh, at this point. Um, you know, because I think the the down rust, down uh, downward risk uh, currently outweighs the the upside potential. But uh, the, the the more important question in terms of investment is not necessarily do I buy uh, stocks and which stock do I buy, but rather which asset classes should I be thinking about that will allow me to kind of. Uh, transition through this uh, negativity in the business cycle, this slowing period of growth, and emerge uh, uh, prepared to take advantage of the opportunities that will present themselves in that late 2020, early 2021 timeframe. Well, very good. And I, we've covered a lot here, and, I, and you've given some good direction to our dealers. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you want to um, make sure that our small business owners uh, know about, or even as a consumer, what they need to know yeah, I think that it's really important for you to understand that there exists data that is uh, your own business figures that you can leverage to make much better informed decisions about your own position on the business cycle and what different leading indicators mean to you. Uh, there's a, certainly a way for you to learn this methodology, which is what we leverage to forecast different markets, and then to apply that to improve your visibility about what to expect for your own business over the next 3, 6, uh, 12, 24 months into the future. So if you're not already leveraging your own existing company data, sales data, unit shipment data, um, you know, 
even things like the number of quotes that your sales department is putting out there, those are all very valuable pieces of information that can be leveraged to improve the quality of your decision making. So if you're interested in learning more about that, certainly feel free to reach out to either myself directly or to ITR in general, and we'll be happy to help you out with that. Thank you again to Alex Chosowski of ITR Economics for his outlook on the U.S. economy for the short and long term. ITR Economics continues to stand by its forecast for a major depression in 2030. Your dealership will be undergoing significant changes over the next decade, possibly facing a new generation of ownership, so I encourage you to include economic scenarios as you plan for your next stages. As Alex mentioned, there are always opportunities even in a downward-trending economy, if you prepare for them. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and dealers. If you're not yet a podcast subscriber, our series is currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. And if you aren't already a subscriber to our print or digital content, head on over to www.rulelifestyledealer.com and join our community. From all of us at Rural Lifestyle Dealer, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening. <music>